Welcome to Ulcerative Colitis, Autoimmune Healing Journey. I am your journey guide, Jay India, and I'm so happy that you are here because this is a supportive, positive environment where we can heal together. Please note, I am not a doctor or health professional in any way. If you would like to attempt something mentioned in this episode, please consult your doctor or mental health professional first. My new Instagram handle is at Free Spirit Podcasts. That's with an S at the end. It was formerly two inches off the ground, but I wanted to encompass all my podcasts and then the radio show. So I thought at Free Spirit Podcasts would be best. If you're already following me, then my picture and my handle changed over. Easy peasy. You don't have to do anything. If not, then you may see in other episodes, it says, follow me at two inches off the ground. Just make sure now to do my new Instagram handle, which is in the show notes one more time at Free Spirit Podcasts. I just also want to say I am moving the topic of eating disorders and the link to UC to after the new year. I didn't think it was so cheery for the holidays, <laughs> but I thought it would be better for after the new year. And I'm also finding some more content on it where I think I can make some of the connections. So that should be a little better. I still need more research on it as well. Before we get to the episode so far, I've given you almost 70 episodes and over a year and a half of free content. So please support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating wherever you listen and a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. I see that you've been rating more, reviewing more, especially on Apple Podcasts. I so appreciate that. Think about grabbing your partner's or children's phones. And what you do is you just listen to a minute of the episode, not even, you can listen to 10 seconds of the episode, hit stop, and then scroll down, scroll up and hit five stars. And that's it. And always remember to hit the follow button so new apps pop up on your podcast player automatically. Today's topic is one that's close to my heart, unfortunately, <laughs> is rejection sensitivity. I will be quoting from an article entitled Eight Tactics to Overcome Rejection Sensitivity by Mike Mantel on scienceofpeople.com. He wrote an excellent article, very impressive, and there are parts of it that I just want to read word for word, because it was so well done. I don't want to start changing up his words. And I want to talk and comment on how it links to not only UC, but my own life and everything that I've gone through with UC and rejection. So you'll see, you'll hear about it. So let's start. First, he talks about rejection sensitivity, RS versus rejection sensitivity dysphoria, which is RSD, and they're slightly different from each other. RSD typically appears in people with ADHD or autism. When people with RSD experience rejection, their emotional dysregulation and nervous system go haywire. They feel an overwhelming and sometimes unbearable level of emotional pain. I have seen this with an autistic child that used to be a neighbor. This was many years ago. And whenever he was put in a situation where someone told him no or something like that, he would just go ballistic, not to any fault of his own. This is how his brain was 
wired differently. So it was interesting to see. And it was actually really fascinating to see how the parents would handle that. I was very impressed. I think people who have children with disabilities, or I guess you can say nowadays special needs, I'm not sure if if the term's wrong, please give me some grace, because I don't have children. But I think you guys are superheroes. If you have a child with autism, if you have a child with ADHD, they may be experiencing this. And it's actually good to know for that as well. So that was for autism, ADHD, again, that's RSD. And now we're moving on to RS, which is for the general population like you and me, or maybe hopefully not you, (laughs) where we just have rejection sensitivity, which is a different thing. Because rejection sensitive people are so afraid of rejection, they constantly look for signs of rejection. As a result, they may interpret neutral or even positive social interactions as rejection and then respond accordingly. It's similar to the classic Buddhist adage of going for a walk, seeing a twig in your path and jumping five feet in the air thinking it's a snake. Your body and brain are programmed to search for danger and react. For rejection-sensitive people, rejection is like a snake. This really applies to me because I said in another episode, it's like when I walk in a room, I'm constantly scanning the room if I don't know people of who is going to reject me outright. I did not have this self-awareness until quite frankly, several months ago, and I realize now what I'm doing and why am I doing this? Well, I've had a lot of experiences in my past where I was rejected and it was during a time where it wasn't something that we all experience where let's say we're all in gym class and it can be traumatic if you've had that experience over and over. And I do understand that, but let's just say you're in gym class and you know, you get picked last one time, and that really weighs on you. I understand that. But I think there is more of a traumatic effect to where you are rejected from a young age, and you keep getting rejected, or you have the perception that you keep getting rejected. So for example, for me, I'm adopted. You can ask any psychologist, any psychiatrist, they will tell you that pretty much adoption is the biggest rejection you can ever deal with. And a lot of them will tell you that adoptees will never heal from that. And I don't know how I feel about that, that that I'm a little bit on the fence with. I have read Nancy Verrier. She is the premier adoption psychiatrist in the US, psychologist, and she talks about in her book, The Primal Wound, how to finally overcome that rejection, you have to meet and bond with your birth mother. Now, again, I don't know how I feel about that, because you do not know the birth mother situation. I know a lot of people who've tried to reconnect in that way, and the birth parents have rejected them. That happens a lot. They do not want to be involved. Uh, They have moved on with their life. They have moved on with other families. And it's hurtful. So now you're getting doubly rejected. And for me, I'm an international adoption. So to go that far and to hire a private detective, and the private detective has to speak the language and to go into all the papers and paperwork and then go to the country and find the person 
Yeah, <laughs> I really am not into going that far. And I feel like on a logical level that I am glad my birth mother gave me up because I know she was going through a very hard time. I was going to be born into a very bad situation and she helped me escape from that. And in a sense, she rescued me and I love her for that. And that is a very logical thing to say on a mental, emotional level. At the end of the day, I was still rejected by my birth mother, right? So I have that initial rejection. And you can, you know, you can read a lot about adoptees and how they're affected in different ways. Some adoptees act out. Some adoptees are absolute perfectionists because they are so scared of being rejected by their adopted families that they want to do everything perfectly. They're the super overachievers. They're getting all the straight A's and they're getting, you know, they're the sports stars in school and they're doing everything to make their parents proud. And that is a form of rejection sensitivity because (laughs) they will do everything not to be rejected. And I think I was like that as a kid. I've definitely... I can tell you right now as a, mm, I would say teenager, yeah, probably 12 years old on, maybe definitely a teenager that I put my own wants aside to make my parents happy. And it ended up, surprise guys, it ended up blowing up in my face because (laughs) I was so screwed up because I essentially did it to myself and didn't stand up for myself. And I just wanted to do everything to make them happy that I kind of had a midlife crisis when I was young, you know, around 20, 22 years old. And I ended up actually moving to Eastern Europe 10 days after graduating college, because I think part of it was, yes, I wanted to live in Europe, and I wanted to be in the Peace Corps and all that kind of stuff. But then part of it was kind of an F you to everyone saying, I'm going to do whatever I want to do at this point in my life, because I've been living my life for everyone else. So I do feel from the adoption standpoint, there is that rejection sensitivity for me. I will say that. And then on top of it, and uh, Mike Mantel talks about this in the article and describes it very well, where he says in your formative years, you have been either through a traumatic event or many traumatic events or traumatic, such a strong word, but many events where you've been rejected and it's just changed you as a human. And a lot of people will become people pleasers because of that. For me, yes, I was a people pleaser in the way of doing what my parents wanted and giving into all that, being the good girl and all that type of thing. But now I don't think of myself so much as a people pleaser. I do what I want for the holidays. I I have no problem telling people no. I have no problem telling people I don't want to do that. I'm not a people pleaser in that way. I will definitely go out of my way if someone has a birthday or whatever and do something nice for them, but I'm not going to go overboard because I've learned so many times from that. So I think for me, with that rejection sensitivity from an early age, And then on top of it, from being born and being rejected upon being born, that's a lot of rejection to deal with. So 
I believe in my case, that's why I have this. And I really do go in and scan a room and I try to avoid any type of instance with rejection. I really, now in some things I could say no. I've played sports, which you get rejected all the time. If you're up at bat and you don't hit the ball and you strike out, well, that's rejection. And I didn't, not saying I dealt well with that as a kid, but I put myself in challenging situations. I put myself in challenging situations of moving to other countries, moving halfway across the world to Australia, the whole thing. So I have put myself in those situations, but the rejection part of it always stung so much. And this is what Mike Mantle has to say. There is also a body of research that suggests that when rejection-sensitive people experience rejection or body language that might signal rejection, they tend to react with more defensiveness, aggression, and hostility than others would. Then Mike Mantle gives this example. Say you're at a restaurant with a group of friends. Someone gets up to refill their cup of water. You ask them to bring a cup of water as well. Moments later, they return with just their cup and don't mention your request. So that is, I think he put that perfectly, and that aligns with the more defensive, the aggression, the hostility. I don't ever do anything outward, which hello, why do I have UC? I keep it all inward. That's not a good thing. I'm learning not to do that, and I'm better at it, but I'm thinking all those times in my life, where I would just keep everything stuffed down in my colon, stuffed in my gut, because I was so angry, because I felt so rejected all the time. I mean, even stupid stuff. I'll give you a really, really dumb example. (laughs) I remember being in, I was in elementary school, so let's say third or fourth grade, somewhere around there. And I had a friend who had a lot of confidence and always would raise her hand to read. And keep in mind, I was someone who was shyer at the time. Um, I was dealing with the aftermath of being sexually abused. My confidence was completely shattered, no self-esteem, whole thing. And so she would always raise her hand to read out loud and the teacher would pick her a lot. And I was always so fuming and jealous inside. And here's the thing, I could have raised my hand, (laughs) done the same thing and been picked to read out loud, but I never did. I would just sit there stewing and fuming. When you think about this, I created that rejection in my mind. Well, how was the teacher rejecting me If I didn't even raise my hand, I didn't even put myself in that challenge. So again, that's very much like a rejection sensitive person, which I am, is I wouldn't even put myself in the running for that, but then I would get offended because my friend would be picked and I take it as a rejection, which I know you guys makes pretty much no sense. (laughs) It's certainly not my friend's fault or the teacher's fault, but that's what rejection sensitive people do. If we feel that we are being rejected even slightly, we get so offended. And for me, words are a big deal. When people are not sensitive with their words, which happens, hmm, I would say I'm picking my friends much more wisely, but the arguments that my husband and I have 
been in in the past, and we actually don't fight a lot, some of them have been because I will say to him, I did not like how you said that to me. That really was terrible. And then he'd repeat it. And then it didn't sound as terrible. It was just my sensitivity of feeling that he rejected me. I just have this mind where if I think there's rejection in words, I am on a different level. I am now fuming. I'm angry. Again, to connect with the UC, I'm keeping it inside. Now, my husband, I wasn't, but in other instances in life, always keeping it inside. In high school, I had to deal with a coach that was emotionally and mentally abusive. And I am almost 100% that she was sexually abusive with some of the other young girls. Not sure, never had proof, but my intuition says it because there was some weird stuff going on. And I just kept it all inside. And this is a good example of a traumatic event shaping that rejection sensitivity is this coach had all the parents and the board of education and all the teachers snowed because she kept winning and winning and winning. She even convinced all the parents that she was a good person and she wasn't. And it came out later about some of the things she did, thank God. And they finally pulled her teaching and uh, coaching license or whatever. But the whole point is that I was trying to tell my parents what a bad person, what a horrible human this coach was and what she was doing to all of us. And it was just met with deaf ears. Oh, you're just angry because you didn't make varsity your sophomore year. Oh, you're angry because, you know, you're just sensitive. That's my dad. He would always just poke at me like that. He would always be like, you're so sensitive, Jennifer. You're so sensitive. And back at that time, it was always used as such a negative word. Now I think it's more of an empowered word and people are seeing it as more of a superpower. But back then it was not like that. And that would just (laughs) light me up. So if you keep getting rejected, especially by your parents over and over and over, and Mike Mantel in this article talks about it, how the biggest rejection is from your parents. And if they keep doing it, that really mind fucks you. And then you develop this rejection sensitivity. And then if you're like me, you stuff it down inside and you don't tell anyone, then we're going to start having autoimmune and we're going to start having all those problems. I just want to review what he says because he says it so well. You have a human instinct programmed into your DNA to seek acceptance and connection and to avoid rejection and disconnection. You may have experienced moments in your childhood or teenage years that left a traumatic imprint in your psyche and left long-lasting beliefs and emotional residue, exactly what I talked about. Studies show that rejection sensitivity is linked to the security of the attachment to our parental figures as children. This means that if you had an insecure attachment to an authority figure who was emotionally unavailable or showed neglect or harsh criticism to you, it may have seeded anxious expectations of rejection. Exactly. Or possibly you experienced a highly impactful experience of rejection when you were younger, whether bullying, getting picked last in sports, or feeling embarrassed by a teacher. Whatever your personal history may be, if you experience a sensitivity to rejection, 
There may have been an event or series of events in your past where you experienced rejection as an acutely painful event. At a young age, you may have developed strategies to notice rejection cues ahead of time from parents, teachers, or peers in an attempt to mitigate them. And you probably went far out of your way to avoid rejection. In fact, you may have developed an entire personality aimed at such. These strategies may have helped you in childhood to gain approval and acceptance, but as an adult, they are only holding you back from healthy relationships and an empowered and authentic sense of self. And I can relate to that a hundred percent. This is why I was so fucked up in my twenties. And I know everyone's going to say, oh, everyone's fucked up in their twenties. You're right. I think most everyone is. (laughs) There are some people (laughs) who uh, sailed through the twenties fine but I just had no sense of myself. I had no sense of who I was. I was very confused about a lot of things. I was so sensitive in a bad way. I was so in fear of everything. And I think it's interesting when he talks about how from a young age, you develop strategies to notice rejection cues ahead of time. That reminds me of when we talked about the body keeps the score and how when you experience trauma, you're constantly in this state of fight or flight. And I feel it's the same thing with rejection sensitivity, because if you're constantly developing strategies, if you're constantly scanning rooms and playgrounds and whatever, that takes so much out of your body that it makes sense why you feel this way, right? And and why you're developing an autoimmune disease and don't even know it. I remember my mom taking me to doctor after doctor because I was just so tired all the time. Now I know that's probably from the mold toxicity, probably early development of UC, but I also think it's because I was constantly putting myself in fight or flight constantly, especially with this rejection sensitivity. Then he goes on to talk about the signs of rejection sensitivity. Some of them I've talked about, so I just want to go through some of the other ones. This is interesting. One sign is you push people away. So imagine if your partner is on a big work project and is working long hours and you are looking for signs of rejection, you might assume they are cheating on you. And this is even if you're sitting here in an apartment and across the way is where he works and you can see him working. And then he goes to the bathroom for two minutes and you freak out because you think he's cheating on you there. You know, That might be a sign of rejection sensitivity. And then if you continually bring this up with your partner and you can't be convinced otherwise, then your fear of rejection may just actually erode the entire relationship and it brings you disconnection. So you have to be careful in that way. Also, you choose safety over rejection. I 100% have done this, I think, most of my life. Again, with certain things, no. With moving out of the country, with taking risks like that, uh, with dating different people, not really. But I can tell you social situations, 100%. I've always been very self-protected. I'm not one to love to go to networking and happy hours. And that's not my cup of tea. I just, that is just rejection laden for me. And it's too overwhelming. 
The last one he talks about is you forego your personal goals. Studies show that people who are sensitive to rejection will readily sacrifice their personal goals in order to try to manage rejections in their lives. Imagine you want to submit your screenplay to a film festival, but you choose not to because you'd rather not face the potential rejection of not getting picked. Or it might be something even smaller. Maybe you're at the park and you see a pickup soccer game that you'd love to join, but you choose not to ask to play to avoid them saying no. Now, I think for me, the screenplay example is not me. I have no problem submitting to a contest or anything like that. I'm a fiction writer. In my master's degree, you have to learn as a creative writer, and those of you who have a creative writing degree, you guys know this, is one thing they do in these classes is you submit your work for the week, and it's your turn, and you have to be completely silent while everyone else criticizes and slams your work. You cannot defend yourself. You cannot say anything. So I think from that experience, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I'm good with that. I think in those ways, I'm not bad with rejection. But on that social level, the one where the soccer game at the park, I can never do that. I'm telling you to this day, I could never be like, hey, do you mind if I join in the game? I just, I don't have it in me, guys. I'm too afraid of being rejected. So just being honest. <laughs> now, the funny part is I'm a podcaster, right? So he goes on to talk about that, you may try to avoid your dream career, but I don't know. I'm, I'm okay with coming on here and being a podcaster, maybe because I don't know you all in real life. I mean, some, a few of you I do, I think I've met, but for the most part, I don't know all of you. So I'm okay with that for some reason. I'm okay with that type of rejection, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's strange. And then he talks about tips to overcome your own rejection sensitivity. He gives many tips. I'm going to only go through a few because some of them are not my thing. Journaling is not my thing. Journaling, even though I'm a big metaphysical person, I've just never been a journaler. I think because I'm a writer, I think that doesn't quite work for me. But journaling is great if you love to do it. Me, not so much. Tip one, don't assume rejection, look for alternative explanations. I agree with that. That's something I am trying to do. For example, let's say you call your friend and they do not pick up the phone. You might immediately assume that your friend screened your call and rejected you. But as soon as you notice that thought, try brainstorming other possibilities. For example, my friend is in the middle of a task and can't take my call. My friend is actually on another call right now. My friend's phone is dead. My friend is socially spent and needs to recharge their introvert battery. My friend just bumped into Harry Styles and is amidst a major fanboy moment. You're assuming and you never know what's going on. And I think too, especially if the friend is a parent, the kid could be having a meltdown or something could be happening with the child and they just can't reach you. So I think there's definitely a fine line between someone who rejects you all the time where I've had to let go of friends because they just would take three weeks to answer my text and be like, oh, hey, I'm good. You know, I'll text them maybe not a lot, but a couple things or something to help them. And they're like, oh, yeah, thanks. That's when you're going to, you're not going to be in my life anymore. I've learned from that because I've attracted inconsiderate people in the past because that was, a problem with being abused or an, um, 
result of being abused. So for me, I don't fuck with those type of people anymore. If you are inconsiderate, insensitive, no. But then there's that situation where the person is a good person. They just are not someone who answers right away, or perhaps they're just not, they're so immersed in their kids. I have a friend who I love, who's a wonderful human. And when she texts me, she gives me the most sincere, most beautiful texts. And when I see her, she always has presents for me and she's so sweet. But it's hard getting an answer back sometimes because she's so immersed in her children and being a single mom, I get that. And she's explained that to me. So I really respect that. So that type of thing, yeah. I keep having to learn this. Don't just assume rejection. Look for alternative explanations. But, you know, as I said, if it's someone who just isn't treating you well, then you also have to let that person go and make sure you know that fine line. I also just quickly want to talk about another rejection. I had to not rush and make assumptions. And I had to logically think about this and think about the history of the person I had someone who, hmm, how to explain this without giving too much away. I invested in this person. This person was supposed to do something for me and gave me an explanation saying, I haven't been feeling well for quite some time and I need to say no. And you know what? Good for her for putting herself first. But the rejection part of it was I paid money for her to, let's just say, to help her with something. In the past, I've actually been a big supporter of this person and invested in her financially. So that stung. But then my intuitive side took over and I said, you know what? This person has always been up for doing something for me. She's always been willing to do X, Y, and Z. She's always been great. And intuitively, I also think that something's going on with her. I've been thinking that for a while. I think I'm dealing with someone who has depression, possibly bipolar, up and down. I was getting that energy. I think this person's home life may not be what they portray. Let's put it that way. So I believe that I had to give her grace and I had to not assume that she was just outright rejecting me. And she hardly wrote me anything, which is very strange for her as well. So I'm giving her grace on that. But I'm also learning that I'm going to leave this person alone for a while, not because they're bad or they're good or anything's wrong with this individual. It's just, I need to make sure I'm around the right energy where people are supporting me and people are supporting me as much as I'm supporting them. That was a really good wake up call. So it was the immediate rejection sensitivity of, oh my God, you're not going to help me, even though I've helped you a million times. But then I had to reframe and not make the assumptions. But then there was also a part of that where I had to say, okay, I also need to learn that I can't keep befriending inconsiderate people. And I feel like the universe just put the situation into my life so I can yet again (laughs) receive that lesson. I received it loud and clear. And again, no negative feelings toward the person. It's just something where it's time to move on from that friendship. And that's it. And then the last thing he talks about that I really enjoyed was expose yourself to rejection. Exposure therapy is a psychological technique used to overcome fears and phobias. It is fairly simple. You expose yourself to the object you are afraid of 
repetitively until the fear response subsides and you form more realistic beliefs about the object. The idea is that usually you're afraid of something, you avoid that stimulus, or if you happen to encounter it, you get away from it as soon as possible. But with exposure therapy, you actually stick around with the stimulus and allow your anxious body reaction to settle on its own in the face of the stimulus. And over time, the emotional reaction subside. So that's a really good way to do it. You can do rejection role play if you have someone who will do it with you, a therapist, for example. There's also the idea of constantly exposing yourself to rejection. I mean, if you think of an actor, oh my gosh, how many auditions do you have to go on (laughs) to get somewhere? They say that it takes 10 years in Hollywood of constantly working to create an overnight success think about that. That's a lot of rejection. So there's ways you can expose yourself. And I think that's a good idea. I think that's a good idea for me. There are two more things I just want to quickly say that he says, explore your rejection sensitivity triggers in the moment. If you just feel, oh my gosh, why do I feel so offended right now? You can write it down. You can type it in your notes. You can just make a mental note of it. For me, it's definitely a words thing absolutely a words thing. And then number two, discover your underlying beliefs around rejection. That's really good for me too, as well as, you know, I've really had to think about this. And I've said to myself, okay, well, here are my beliefs. And I had to deal with a lot of years of being rejected from parental figures, from the ultimate parental figure, from X, Y, and Z, uh, And then also, I just had no belief in myself. So that was (laughs) obviously not helpful. And all those years of just stuffing it down inside and not telling a therapist or a school psychologist or a responsible adult or anything, keeping it to myself and getting angrier and angrier and picking apart situations and finding rejection where there's actually no rejection, that really takes a toll on your body. As I said before, the fight or flight constantly. So if this is something that you see yourself doing, then I highly recommend reading this article. I highly recommend exploring it in yourself because this is something that I've been exploring. And now when I have a situation come up, just like I did with a friend where I felt rejected, I really pieced it apart. I really sat down and I said, okay, this, that, and the other thing. It's not just black and white. There's more gray to it. And I think that helps me too, is to think in gray terms but to also keep your boundaries. It's been very helpful knowing that I have rejection sensitivity, that again, it's comforting. It's not all in my head. I mean, it is in my head, but you know what I'm saying? It's something that unfortunately I developed as a result of trauma and some of you may have, and this is a good opportunity to talk to a mental health professional about this. If you think it's something that really controls your life or you have a major problem, read the article and yeah, And I hope you found some enlightening information on rejection sensitivity today, especially with that UC connection. If you have gained any knowledge, insight, or comfort from these episodes, please support the podcast 
buy my UC ebook, my meditations, and donate. All the links are in the show notes. In my household, when we have a perfect shit, you know when it slides out of your body, it's a perfect color and solidly formed, and you're so proud of yourself that you turn around the toilet and go, wow, we call that a green heart. I wish everyone a green heart day.